This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast presented by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew and I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hello. And we were supposed to have Robbie tonight, and he will, he might join us in progress, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, so it's just looks like it's the three of us tonight. We've got a few things to talk about. This episode, we're going to talk about a little bit of news. We had some Xbox news today. We got our first trailer from this year's Comic-Con, and we're going to talk about Star Trek Beyond. Yes, mm-hmm. we are. And so we're just gonna gonna jump right in. Well, I guess has has anybody watched anything new this week? Man, I am binge watching Hell's Kitchen. Uh, thank God for that on Hulu. But that's not very really relevant. So other than that, no. <laughs> now, Is that Gordon Ramsay? Yeah. <laughs> now, what if we yeah. could like get Gordon Ramsay to do a sci-fi themed uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen? Well, the intro for the uh, season I was watching is all about com- is like comic book based, so you know, sort of there. Yep, getting there. Relevant ish. <laughs> Relevant ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no. I've actually been watching um, a lot of wrestling, and I'm gonna start up some sort of wrestling show that I because I I'm watching so much of it that I'm like okay. I need to do something with this because <laughs> right. Give we're going to get here. Exactly. Yeah. You got to have, you got to have a, a, an excuse to watch copious amounts yeah. of something like that. Like so that I don't have to bring it up here on the science fiction area. Right. Cause that's why we started the science fiction area. Cause we kept talking <laughs> about random stuff on the Coruscant radio underground. Right. So it's you, a never ending cycle. You just got to keep adding new stuff as you realize you just can't contain your conversation off of whatever mm-hmm. the, <laughs> activity is <laughs> yeah <laughs> i try yeah there's too much there's too much cool stuff in the world there is some cool stuff in the world absolutely there really is we've been um we are what two episodes from the end of brave new world yep um and i am really enjoying it most of it there's <laughs> way too much nudity like I just, really? I don't go in for like, a, like sometimes it's like, okay, like it had a point, but sometimes it's just like, okay, we don't need to see another orgy. We really don't. <laughs> uh, well, hey, isn't that what a utopian world would be? I mean, the thing is, is it's, it's, kidding. it's, but it, it is there to make a point of, because they constantly go back to it. Like, is this what you think? You think this is normal? Yeah. Like, right. um, like you think that this is you know, but we've got to always have something new and bigger and better and more exciting orgies. It's this idea of like, this is what you have to look forward to versus they're using this to distract you from the truth. Right. That's, that's really interesting. That's really cool. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like the dynamic in there. That, that mm-hmm. reminds me real quick tangent, but it is relevant. Um, 
the best teacher I ever had was my English teacher in freshman year. And one of the projects he gave, which uh, was so cool, was he let us write a story and we could write a science fiction story, a fantasy story, or a horror story. Mm. And we could like write whatever. <clears throat> the coolest dude. And uh, this one kid, this is the most amazing like science fiction thing I've ever heard. This like quiet kid who never said anything at all. Never heard him speak a word except for this. He went up to present his and he told a story about how it's like this dystopian future where everything um, – people have run out of ideas. Hmm. We're out of ideas. So people just keep making things bigger. And like everyone's names are like like 100 letters long because like they just they, – they run out of new names. So they make them just longer and bigger and crazier and like stuff like that. And, and like everything's bigger and crazier. And it's like what you were just – like kind of what you were getting at mm-hmm. now where it's like – everything just has to be bigger and and it's i thought it was really cool and he gets the character gets arrested because he like broke out of a wall one time and went and sat at a beach and just it was quiet hmm. and he liked it so he kept doing it and he got arrested for it because like in the world there's nothing but noise now like when you go into mm-hmm. like there's, there's never a quiet moment at all there's always more there's always bigger there's always better and that was a really cool sci-fi story mm-hmm. and i wonder where that guy is if you're listening if you're out there Email me. Uh, no, send me an Instagram DM. We'll give you our Instagram to the end of the show. Let me know how you're doing, and let's write a book together. Sounds like okay, a good that's plan. It. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, kind but of. Anyway, the, but actually, like I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah, no, that was a really cool idea. Um, they keep kind of the running theme through the Brave New World TV show is, you know, everybody happy now. Mm-hmm. It, you know, this this idea that you should be happy all the time. You should never experience anything that's not happiness. And so you see all yeah, these, like, strangely conceived ways that they try to to yeah. to kind of build that atmosphere. Yeah, to, to manufacture this illusion of perfection. and Illusion of, illusion of happiness? Uh, yeah, exactly. Because it's not, the thing is... Because, I mean, that's the Sounds thing. Sounds like my ex-relationship. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but in, in some ways it is like, it is kind of just a dysfunctional relationship because it's like, it, but you have a dysfunctional relationship with everybody because everybody belongs to everybody. And so we're all pretending like this is satisfying and this makes me happy and this this is good. Even though there's always this kind of nagging suspicion that it's not and that joy and pain kind of coexist and, you know, that you, that you I mean, because, I mean, let's be real. How can you really understand the human experience of joy if you don't have some experience with the human experience of the, the, the opposite yeah, you don't have anything to compare yeah. it against. Yeah, um, that's that's that's. I love that idea. That's a great idea. It so, sounds like it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. Like everyone mm-hmm. living in this world. Yes, and they've just kind of been told to sit down and shut up and not think about it. Yeah, exactly. They've all been conditioned. They've like they have they they have been conditioned from the time they were born. You know, you're an born. alpha or not? Well, okay, from the time they they hatch. Or- 
Grown in a lab. What? Grown in a lab. <laughs> yeah, and the, the story, I mean, because women shouldn't have to go through the pain of childbirth, right? Or oh. that this idea that for a child, the birthing process is traumatic. traumatic. And furthermore, the family unit uh-huh. is... Is non-existent. Non- well, but it is counterproductive to social, um, to the social order where everyone just does their thing. Everyone belongs to everybody else, right? There is no personal identity, really, and definitely not any familial identity. So how do we do that? We create a world where we grow babies in labs. And well, it sounds like mother father like people just don't no have that no they just they, they're they're raised by yeah, there is no family unit there is no family unit the village they're raises raised the by child the village? basically right. yeah i mean the whole thing is and i i kind of wonder how some of the people making it will handle this because it really is anti-socialist um propaganda it was yeah it was, i mean it's it's very anti-socialist uh anti-eugenics um, you know, all, all those things. It was were, written, the book was written in the 30s at the height of the eugenics movement. So I, that's, I, I'm curious to see if the, because I know, you know, it's likely that the people creating it have somewhat socialist leanings and um, it'll be interesting to see if they, if they can follow through on the story or if they even see the story that they're actually telling here. But Alden Ehrenreich has been amazing in it. Absolutely. Uh, Uh, Jessica Finley uh, Brown has been excellent, too. Yeah. The first two episodes are free on the Peacock app. Yes. And it's definitely worth checking out. It's for the things that I wish, you know, the the only thing wrong with it is literally that it's just like, sometimes it's like, really, did we need another? Like, okay, that's a little pornographic. (laughs) Like, like I said. Yeah. Like we don't, we didn't need to see that much of that that right. thing. <laughs> we really didn't. But and, you know. But literally, that's that is my only the only thing that I can really say negative about anything in this show. It is fantastic. It is beautiful. It. I mean, the costumes. It may and be the, the set. Is is. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking when we're talking these the new era of premium TV. Yep, it, you're talking something different than Made TV, for TV, so it's movies. almost not fair to compare it to TV. Yeah, in some ways, but if if we're calling it TV, it might be the prettiest TV show ever made. Yeah, that's really really cool. That's it. I love that. That that is. I think you guys have the same way that I was convinced to watch Star Girl. I think mm-hmm. you guys have convinced me. To, to check this one out. Uh, yeah, the Peacock least... app looks pretty cool. Like, I was seeing some trailers for it. Uh-huh. And I hadn't even heard about it until a couple weeks ago when y'all started talking about it. And I didn't, because I didn't realize it was, um, was it NBC's yeah, streaming service? Yes, NBC's streaming service. They got a lot of shows on there that I actually am a fan of. Isn't mm-hmm. it uh, The Office going to be coming there soon? The Office will be on there soon. Um, mm-hmm. Psych. Like uh, on may already be on there. All the ABC, uh, uh, USA, you know stuff. Yeah. So white collars. I saw on there. House was going to be on there, and I was like, oh, oh, I got, I got to get this app now. I love me some House. Yep. That's my um, favorite show. Okay. Yeah. It's um. And, I, and I honestly, think, yeah, and they own they own the Sci-Fi Channel as well. So it'll be curious. There's to see a lot of Sci-Fi. I noticed a lot of. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, Ooh, the Sharknado movies? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Eureka's on there. I, I think I saw 12 Monkeys was on there. 
Um, They'll eventually get Stargate, but right now they've got deals with Prime and mm-hmm. um, Hulu for uh, yeah. for Prime. I mean, and for Stargate. Honestly, there is a lot of stuff on the free version. Yeah, but not the rest of Brave New World. So, well, that, and it's understandable <laughs> that it's there. They're selling the subscription with their created for the platform content. A lot yeah. of the other stuff is. I mean, there's a lot of free material in the app. Is actually works, yes. which <laughs> makes me really happy because some of these streaming services, their apps are really broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that, yeah. That, that's a that's a that's a big bonus itself. That'll make me click yeah. on it instead of clicking on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Yeah. Is if the app's going to be annoying or not? Exactly. Yeah. And this is completely unrelated to anything thematically for this podcast. But if you're a fan of Psych, the new Psych movie oh, is yeah. hysterical. It's true. Yeah. Psych is great. Um, the, but well, we need to start a psych podcast, a house podcast, yeah. <laughs> house kitchen podcast. Yeah. Andrew does also watch an unreasonable amount of Gordon Ramsay cursing people out uh, up in here. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Gordon Ramsay. I, I've, I've learned a lot. Yeah, he likes to cook, and he's just he's pretty entertaining. There's, there's no pretending like oh, he's not. Me too. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've watched many uh, Gordon Ramsay cooking tutorials and, and shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got got a masterclass subscription. I'm fixing to do Gordon Ramsay's masterclass. Yeah, I'm fixing um, to do Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay's masterclass. Yeah, I've been seeing the trailers for it, and I've been I've been tempted, but not gonna not gonna that money yet but maybe maybe one day but that's pretty much what i've been watching other than i've been binging the heck out of some futurama yep that's been andrew's working oh i watched hunger games this week yeah you watched the hunger games i did i watched it while i was um did you make it through all of them i did i made it through all of them i was i'm recovering a sofa for somebody and it's kind of mindless so i was like Pulling staples. <laughs> pulling staples out of the furniture. <laughs> I watched four Hunger Games movies. So that's how Marisha <laughs> measures how long she's been working is in how in Hunger Games. <laughs> One Hunger Game, two Hunger Games, three. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, after, how much would you charge uh, after me? The end to, of the world. That's that's going to be how we measure time. Right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> how much would you charge me to recover this sofa? Well, it's going to take me about four Hunger Games. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good i actually really like those movies uh i, I hate too. that they started the trend of splitting up your yes. last movie into two films and it kind of messed those here, last here. two up i mean the story is all there but um it, it kind of they should have done it in one you know it's one of those things where i kind of as i was watching through it i was like so as somebody who read the books it's like they got it all you know like which is so if it's if it's if you were kind of looking for the beats from the books, but if you're just watching it as a movie, it's a little slow. Mm-hmm. Which I've never read the books, but watching the movies, right. yeah, well, that third one and fourth one is kind of painful. If you know, painfully mm-hmm. slow in places. Uh, but I love the first two, yeah. and it actually really, it really bothered me what they did with mm-hmm. by splitting that last one because. You know, like I said, I hadn't read the books, but I was watching and going, this is one of the best pieces of science fiction made in, in years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then they kind of botched it, kind of it with the, the end. And, yeah. Now, yeah. did they start that trend or did Harry Potter start that trend? Oh, uh, I guess Harry Potter started it. I think it they? was. Now, well, and you also had the Hobbit movie that felt like they needed to make three instead of two. Right. 
because right. for some reason a trilogy is the somehow the ideal number of movies to make in a set. And I don't really know why people are so locked into that idea, but they really Star are. Star Wars. Star Wars, I, I think I you're think, right. Yeah, I think Star Wars, and probably to some extent the Lord of the Rings books, mm-hmm. probably locked people into mm-hmm. the idea that the good things come in threes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I remember I remember, like before I was like a person who understood movies or anything, I was watching that second Hobbit movie, just a little kid. And even then I was like, wait, that's the, at the, at the end of it. I'm like, that's the end. That's mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> wait a minute. My mommy bought a ticket for this and she, she did not get her money. Like, <laughs> I was mad. And yeah. I was so confused. And I look back and like in my head, they run together, yeah. which is not a good thing. No, I think trilogy. Like when you think about Star Wars, those three movies are very distinct. Like you know yes. what happened in which movie. I cannot tell you which movie had the scene where Bilbo talks to Smog for the yeah. first time. I can't tell you which one that was in. Well, like in my head, I want it to be the third one, but it, it is the second one. Yeah. Uh, right. But yeah, in my head, I always want that to be in the third because of where it fits in the in, book. In the book, yeah. I always think that that should be in the third act. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the third movie, and, and but it, it's not. Um, the last movie is literally just the Battle of Five Armies. Now, that being said, um, you, you've got our Voodoo Password. You should go watch the extended versions. The extended versions, because for some completely unreasonable reason, making the, it longer made it better. <laughs> the, the, the movie series whose biggest problem was that it was too long. The extra half hour, like, make redeems the whole thing. I don't. It doesn't make any sense, but it's true. <laughs> That's really cool. But That's uh, like, yeah, but yeah, we do have those on on that Voodoo account. So uh, I'll check it out. That reminds me of a of this idea. Um, I think a, a few podcasts ago, we were talking about. It was when we were talking about the, the Snyder Cut for the first time. Mm-hmm. We were talking about which films are made better by like a director's cut, mm-hmm. even though the Snyder Cut's kind of going to be like it's it's not really a director's cut. It's like a whole new thing, but, but still like which movies are made better by a director's cut. That's a, that's an interesting question. And one that we should come back to, because let me tell you, I do not watch the Lord of the Rings movies unless I am watching like the mega long version. No, I mean, honestly, it's been so long. I think I saw the theatrical cuts in theaters, and I have not watched them since then. It, well, actually, I love I th- the theatrical and there, cuts. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the theatrical cuts, but the extended cuts are just that much better. Yes, they really are. Like, and, and it's, it's, I, I have the Blu rays and everything with all the extended cuts, and like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not unwatchable now, but like, you know, when I watch the theatrical versions, it's just, I'm missing something now mm-hmm. because like it's so elevated. That's probably the best example of a movie being elevated by just extended cuts and stuff like that yeah there was that um i am legend movie which the 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 director's cut ending was much better that's the only one i can really think of though Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's some others that that's definitely a a topic we should circle back to yeah um you could do the uh monty python (laughs) search for the holy grail did a um they did a re uh like a they (laughs) special edition well they upgraded the Everything digitally uh-huh. and re-released with an extra eight seconds, <laughs> and the extra eight seconds is literally basically them announcing an <laughs> extra <they're>... <laughs> eight seconds of footage. 
That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. That's that's the best one. Yeah, you gotta love Monty Python. <laughs> Funny. Some of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. Like I'm still, I quote them to my friends all the time. Mm. They're like, "What the hell are you <laughs> talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Monty Python, man, doesn't isn't that gonna have to go on the the list the movie list absolutely Quest for the holy grail i mean it has to like it made king if, arthur relevant for a whole if, new generation of people if hitchhiker's guide made my sci-fi novels list then yes <laughs> monty python search for the holy grail absolutely makes the fantasy movie i list. didn't think about that one but yes search for the holy grail i like the history of everything also yep mm-hmm. or how to irritate people andrew took that one to heart <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that one. It's a uh, John Cleese basically teaching you how to irritate people. <laughs> and I've always it. thought they should re-release it as a John Cleese masterclass, but it's just how to irritate people. <laughs> that would be epic. That would be so so funny. All right, but um, some of the other stuff, and uh, David will have to uh, help me fill in on some of this stuff because I don't follow it quite as closely as he does. But there was some little bit of news with some of the Walking Dead stuff with oh, the yeah. Rick Grimes movie. Yeah. So um, pretty much since we heard about the Rick Grimes movie. Um, that's kind of all we knew was for a long time was they are making a Rick Grimes movie. And honestly, for a long time, I thought it just wasn't going to happen. I was like, there's no way they announced it. And there's no way they're going to make supposed to make three movies. Um, and for a while I was hearing that they were, they were just going to be released on AMC. It was back and forth. They were going to be on AMC. No, they're going to be in theaters. going to be an AMC. No, they're going to be in theaters. But now, um, from my understanding, they have worked out some kind of deal with a uh, universal and they're working with universal on these movies. And so that sounds like that's going to get it a actual theatrical release wow. of, a uh, of the Rick Grimes movie, at least the first one and probably see how that does. Um, and it's been dead in the water filming, but some news from Robert Kirkman, they actually have filmed some of it, which I didn't even realize because there's been literally nothing mm-hmm. to be heard from it until like now, uh, they actually did film a lot of it and they just need uh permission to get back to filming right uh you know all the filming was halted and he said something about how he's using all this time to make the movie even better because they just have extra time to work on it Mm -hmm. so that's that's cool and you know coming from anybody else i'd be like yeah 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 but robert kirkman has earned my trust as a creator Mm -hmm. um i'm a big fan of his if you haven't read his invincible comic book series i think that's going to be a um it's actually going to be at uh an amazon uh, series that's supposed to be being made, which is going to be awesome, um, uh, or some, something like maybe it's AMC actually, maybe it's AMC. But uh, Robert Kirkman's great, so that's exciting. They're getting ready to start filming again, and uh, looks like it might actually get a theatrical release. We've learned a few new things about it. It's definitely uh, going to tie into that new Walking Dead series that's called um, The World Beyond. It's definitely being tied into that. And a lot of the stuff going on in Fear the Walking Dead with the communities and all these walker experiments that they're doing. They're, they're running these experiments on, on the walkers. So there's big talk of getting some kind of new version of a walker, like some kind of mutated, different walker. Super vampires. Some kind of super vampire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, something yeah something like that i have no idea what that could be and i don't actually like the sound of that because 
as someone who's a big fan of Walking Dead and watches season three over again, I cannot imagine this campy freaking crap they're talking about fitting into this show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, no. But you know what? As long as they keep it out of the main show, go for mm-hmm. it, I guess. Um, at the end of the most, at, at one of the most recent uh, seasons, Michonne found a drawing of Rick and Judith or whatever, or something, something like that. Like sort of some sort of an indication to her that Rick is still alive, so she went off to find him. So it looks like Michonne's going to be in the movies, which makes perfect sense because that actress is the biggest movie star out of anybody in that cast. Right. Uh, I thought it was pretty dumb to not put her in it. I think she's great. Um, I mean, she was literally in the highest-grossing film of all time, <laughs> right. um, and because of a Twitter riot, she got her name on the poster, even though she was in it for five seconds. But anyway, so that's cool. She's definitely going to be in it. It looks like there's there's big talks of getting the return of Heath. I don't know if you even remember Heath, Andrew, but Heath was the guy who went off of Terra and who disappeared, and we just never heard from him again. Right. He was a Alexandrian. I don't know if you yeah. remember, but what actually ended up happening, I think this was confirmed. Uh, Judith, Judas, what is that her name? One of the weird ones. What's the, the weird trash lady's name? What's her name? Uh, Jadis, Jadis. Yes. Uh, Jadis kidnapped him and sold him to these people. So they've been doing experiments on Heath. So we're going to, you know, see what kind of experiments they're doing. We're going to get the return of Heath. So some really like all this news that kind of flooded in all at once, at least for me, man, I, I, I hadn't heard any of this until recently enough. And it kind of kicked up again with Robert Kirkman talking at one of the at home Comic Con things about it. The biggest news to take away from this is that it's probably actually going to get a theatrical release. How do you how do you think that's going to do like that kind of I think it's cool. I'll def, I'll go see it because Rick, I am a walking dead simp. I don't know if you know what that word means, but um, it's somebody who just like obsesses over something. Um, I mean, I am like obsessed with this show, even the bad parts. I'm going to go see this movie. Uh, even if it's the worst thing ever, I'll probably see it a couple times. Uh, but how do you think it's actually going to do in theaters? I guess it, it really depends on, I don't know how big their budget would really have to be. I mean, the thing is, is The Walking Dead looks really good on its own. So mm-hmm. it's not the sort of thing that requires a massive effects budget or anything. So depending on what they decide to do with it, it doesn't necessarily have to make just this enormous amount of money to still be a success in the theater. Yeah, that's true. Unlike something like, Oh, Star Trek Beyond, for right. example, well, and the, which and, had to make a killing to make its money back. Right. And but that's another thing like that we really haven't talked about and we probably will on a on an upcoming episode. We just kind of got a full slate tonight, but uh there's a lot of talk that movies coming out of the other side of this pandemic are going to look a lot different. That we're going to see a lot more stuff with more limited budgets. Uh, a lot more practical effects as, as things scale back just because these companies have lost so much money. Hmm. Yeah. That it's going to take, they're going to kind of have to build back up to these. Let's see, other stuff we had going on right now, just kind of a little mention, uh, Truth Seekers. Uh, I think everybody got a chance to watch that trailer. Is this going to be one that's probably flown under a lot of people's radar? It's uh, going to be a Prime original, Amazon Prime uh-huh. original. It's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, Nick Frost. <laughs> uh, doing 
paranormal investigations. <laughs> the boys are back. The boys are back. And, that was yeah. the top comment on the trailer when I watched it. <laughs> yeah. And I, as a fan of the, you know, the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy and, and all that stuff, I'm absolutely thrilled to just see them back on screen together. I mean, Nick Frost was the best thing about Into the Badlands, and Into the Badlands was a phenomenal show. But Nick Frost, like, made it a whole new level of good. Nick Frost is going, because of that show, Nick Frost is going to show up in some more serious roles. Yeah. Uh, at least he should. If he doesn't, it is a crying shame because he is somebody who's only ever really done comedy and done crazy, mm-hmm. weird, off-the-wall characters, you know, except in... Uh, you know, in 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 end of the world or world's end. World's end is part of the Caribbean, right? Or is it that? No, thing? world's end is. Yeah, is um, yeah. I don't it's know. it's both. <laughs> uh, in that one, both. he kind of plays the straight man, but that's the most serious role he had really done. Yeah, and I mean, he killed it in uh, End of the Badlands. So, mm-hmm. but I'm really excited, and I I got to watch. I've still got to go back and watch the whole panel. This was from Comic Con at home. Earlier today, the trailer looks like we'll a lot be of fun. Providing all of our fodder for next week's conversation. <laughs> but um, the guy doing the interview asked Simon Pegg, "Like, how do you write comedy and horror? How do you blend them?" And this was the, I think, the the biggest thing I took away from that because I hadn't really thought about it this way before. Was because they did it so well in Shaun of the Dead. Where yeah, it's mm-hmm. a comedy, but it's a le- it's legit one of the best zombie movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and Simon Pegg's answer was, "It's really not that hard. You just you can't make fun of the horror. You can't make fun of the horror elements." Right. That's not that's not where your humor comes from. Your humor it doesn't come from your zombies being hilarious. Right. It comes from all the nonsense surrounding the zombies. Right. And you got I, the queen going, yeah, walking people with chairs. You know, like. Yes, that's a really excellent point. What was that? He said that's kind of how Ghostbusters did it. The, yeah, that's exactly how Ghostbusters did it. It's, it's like you can do funny things and you have characters that are, are there for comedy, but you can't make fun of the part that's legitimately supposed to be scary mm-hmm. because then it's not scary anymore yeah. and you kind of become a spoof at that yeah. point. And also, it the scary part worked. Ah, that movie freaked me out so bad when I was a kid. Oh Ghostbusters? man, Ghostbusters! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was man, right up there I with agree. Temple of Doom and ripping people's hearts out and then giving yeah. me nightmare. I mean, now I was I was a prone to nightmares kind of child already. Like I had a really active imagination, and I was always convinced there were like serial killers in my house or something. But. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. Um but that being said, like that whole I don't know why my dad thought that that was a good idea. But I guess cuz Ghostbusters <laughs> yeah. like my kids have I mean, you know all this. My kids have seen like a whole bunch of stuff that they may or may not have had any business watching because I'm pretty um I'm pretty liberal with what I let my kids watch movie-wise. Um, you know, they've seen Lord of the Rings and they've seen all the Marvel movies except for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, two. Two. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, you know, so they've seen a lot of that kind of stuff, but they have, like, my sister's kids are, like, obsessed with Ghostbusters. I won't let my kids watch Ghostbusters because it scared me so bad as a kid. <laughs> 
That's that's so funny. That's, that's yeah, funny, Ghostbusters. But... Um, man, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg would have been great Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, it's not yeah. too late. It's not too late. Hey, you're right. Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, Paul Rudd. Oh my and, god. Uh, who else? Uh, Chris Pratt, the new mm. Ghostbusters. Oh my gosh! Yes, I'd watch it. I'd watch or it. Or that too. kid from Stranger Things. But yeah, the Truth Seekers looks really great. Um, I had not heard of it until today when y'all sent me the link to the trailer and, um, and the little preview that shows up on my phone, like I saw Nick Frost's face and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am so excited for it. I'll check it out. I have complete faith, um, in, in these two hot fuzz is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen mm-hmm. it so many times. Okay. Uh, so, yes. You know, and hot fuzz is one of those like really rare movies that I think everybody liked. Like, you know, kind of your Anglophiles who are just into any kind of British entertainment loved it, you know, and then your, you know, your people who are just like into like really corny humor liked it. People who liked smart humor liked it. It was Mm -hmm. just, it was one of those very few people, uh, very few kinds of movies that like my, fairly serious sister and my totally off the wall cousin were both like, Oh yeah, that's the greatest movie ever. You know? Yeah. yeah. But Edgar Wright is a brilliant director. Mm-hmm. And he does not get nearly enough credit for what he does. Right. And yeah. in fact, if you want to talk about, I was, I, I was kind of looking, somebody had posed a question one time of what director, pick a director who, who directed three phenomenal movies back to back. Like, not necessarily a trilogy or a set, but just three amazing movies back-to-back. And I started looking, you know, without doing a bad one or just a kind of okay one, but three great Mm -hmm. movies. And, man, Edgar Wright's way up that list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if he's made a bad movie. I love everything No, and I think that's the thing. He's not rushing out to make as many movies as he can, Mm -hmm. but he takes his time and he makes really good movies. And he's been one of the ones... He has been one of the best... And maybe maybe the best at bridging the gap between British and American humor. Mm-hmm. Is he involved in Troop Seekers? He is not. Um, I oh, hope okay. that they will do another project at some point. But uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, Simon Pegg is the primary writer on this, um, which will be interesting. But we're going to talk about another Simon Pegg written thing here in a minute with Star Trek Beyond. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to cover before we jump into Star Trek Beyond is Xbox had their big blowout showcase today. Of course, the the flagship, the first thing they opened it up with Halo Infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the gameplay it was a game. The first gameplay we've seen from it, serious, serious Halo Three vibes. Good. Of course, it's going to all be about how it plays, but it all. It all looks really, really promising. Have you actually played Halo, David? Yeah, I've played Halo. Okay. Uh, not as much as Andrew's played Halo, but I have played you didn't lots pl- of Halo. You did not put in full-time job hours on the Xbox playing Halo for <laughs> years of your life? Well, whenever I was like 10 um, <laughs> and had no responsibilities, that's exactly what I did. Well, Andrew did uh, it when he was like 25 and had no responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is before Andrew had a wife, alas. Yeah, it was. Andrew's wife put a severe damper on his professional video game player. You work work from nine to five, and then you eat dinner, and then you do eight hours, eight to ten hours of Halo. And that's the way I lived for a number of years. Yeah, for a long time I lived, I go to school from seven to three, Mm -hmm. and then I eat a snack, and then play Halo for eight hours. So. So, uh, yeah, alas, played, that was before streaming was a big thing. Uh, so, I, so I missed out. Yeah, I love Halo. Halo Three especially is one of the best shooters I, to this day. I, I would say that Halo Three. I, I think you can make a real strong argument, and I and I do say that Halo Three is the best shooter ever made. It's I, I I can't think. It's hard to think of a better one. It really is. They announced the next gen Forza Motorsports, which I've never gotten real into. I like them, but they're not games that I go running out and get. But they you look. Go out and buy this one. Elijah was well, like, yeah, I want saw that and, one. <laughs> yeah, he's ready to buy it now. Like he was like sitting on the sofa next to me while I was trying to watch this. Going, I, I want the new Xbox. I'm just not out yet. <laughs> So you're trying to trying to explain to a six year old like this is a commercial for something that doesn't exist yet, like. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want feel it, that pain. and I, I want the pain. one with the cars. A number of really interesting things that probably aren't really things that I will play. A number of things in the horror genre. Uh, State of Decay three. Let's see. They did a, a Dusk Falls, and the Medium, kind of in that. Um, mm-hmm. horror genre. They're doing an announced a new Warhammer movie, Dark Tide movie game. I'm, I'm sorry, game new uh, oh, new Warhammer game. Um, a couple of other things that look to be geared a little bit more towards a younger audience that still look like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked like one. I, I'm trying. I don't see it here on the list. Do you remember what it was called, Marisha? The one that was. It, it's like. Honey, I shrunk the kids, but like... Oh, yeah. It was called um, Grounded. Grounded. They've got one called Grounded that looks like a ton of fun. I'm, I'm going to have to try it I out. I think it's going to be a, a, you know, a... Oh, what do they call it? We'll, we'll get there. Um, but it's... They've got that one coming out, which the idea is that these kids have been shrunken. And, yeah, you know, they're in the... Do what? Um, I'm actually looking at all the news Yeah, right so now, they're so shrunk they're in the yard, and basically they have to survive and fight their way It's not out. an RPG, it's a what? That's cool. Um, I'm not sure what the... Well, basically they were like, okay, how do we... If, if we're going to if we were gonna merge a survival scenario with an RPG, what would that video game look like? And this mm-hmm. is what they came up with. Yeah. So it's these kids yeah. that have to, you know, fight in the backyard to survive and and, you know... I guess That's really so. It, it looks really cool. Um, Outer Worlds DLC. That's what I'm seeing. Outer here, Worlds on excited. The Outer Worlds DLC looks amazing. I gotta watch that trailer when we're done because Outer Worlds is one of my favorite games of last year, and and they actually said that they're not. They they for a long time they were claiming they were not making any DLC, which is probably why it's coming out a year later. Right. Uh, usually come out a couple months, and but I'm, I these think, guys. Are responsible for the best, some of the best DLCs ever made for any games. Yeah. Um. So this is that looks awesome. I can't wait for that. Yeah, that one looks amazing. Like I'm definitely gonna have to play the game now. But um, mm-hmm. we had a few. There were a few other things in there. Some that 
you know, I'm not all that interested in like the uh, Tetris effect. Uh, yeah. But the the Destiny Two uh, expansion looks really good. It looked this this promo looked way better than the first one they showed for that. And a few just kind of interesting, more casual type games like Everwild, mm-hmm. and a few things like that. And of course, they closed it out with one final announcement and dropped Fable on us. And I'm still blown away. I had no idea that they were actually making a sequel to Fable. Yeah, but it looks. I neither. It is beautiful. Yeah. Um. Have you played the other Fable games? Yes. I have two. Um. I was a big fan of the first two. Not really a fan of the third one. So I hope they turn it around. I mean, th- there's some great ideas in Fable. There are some great mechanics. This is awesome. I'm very excited for this. I'm definitely going to be picking this one up. Um. Just from the the screenshots and stuff I'm looking at here, it does, it, you're right. It does look beautiful, and they, Fable's awesome. Um, that's really cool. And right, you're right. Like they had they had kept it a really close to the chest here about this Fable thing because for the longest time we've been told we're never getting another Fable. <laughs> right. Sucks to suck. Sorry, but that's really awesome. Yeah, the kids, my poor kids. Like, have you watched the trailer yet? I haven't watched the trailer. No. Okay. Well, you have to watch the trailer because, like, I thought their eyes were going to pop out of their heads at the end of that trailer. (laughs) But it's, uh, all this stuff looks really good. The new Xbox just looks, there's so much good looking stuff. But the big drop today was they, they showed us all this stuff that looks amazing and then announced every single one of these games will be on Xbox Game Pass. That is awesome. Are all these are all these launching with the new Xbox? These are I, my understanding is that these are the launch games. Holy crap! And they're all gonna be that is that is a steal. That really is just these amount of games. I mean, right even here, if only half of these come out on launch, there that's still. It looks like some of them might be later this year than the launch, mm-hmm. but I think they're all coming up like real quick. That's really really awesome because. Uh, that makes it, I mean, like, if just half of these games are available on Game Pass, I mean, that's a steal. Oh, I mean, yeah. Usually it would all be 60 bucks. You just get them all. I wouldn't be surprised if they upped the price of Game Pass when the new Xbox comes out, you know, kind of quietly. I wonder if that's possible. It, Maybe it not. might, but it's one of those things if everybody with an Xbox gets the gets a Game Pass with it, then... <laughs> they're going to be doing pretty well. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll be really curious to see to see how that works out. But I know I'm going to be getting Game Pass at least for a while just to play these. But uh, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they decide to, when you buy a new Xbox, you get a month of Game Pass just to get people hooked on it. That'd be a great idea. That's actually really possible you know they used to sell games with a one month gold membership so you Mm -hmm. could get hooked on playing online that's exactly what happens now and what they do this genius little thing where um when you look when you have a game from game pass and you look at your game screen there's a little emblem on the corner of it that says game pass right you see it so it reminds you every single time so i was looking at my games today and i realized that a very large majority of the ones I have downloaded right now are all from Game Pass. So I guess if I got to renew your Game Pass. They're all going away. <laughs> they are going away. So you better you better renew that subscription, buddy. Yep. So I guess I'm re guess I'm typing in my credit card information again, <laughs> which is what they want. 
But yeah, they Xbox really needed to hit a home run with that uh, unveil yep. today, and I re I really felt like they did. But I think that's going to move us into Star Trek. Star Trek. So Ooh. this will be, you know, we've if you've been following us, we've done every Star Trek movie, and we've got one left, Star Trek Beyond. And you can go back if you missed all the others. They're they're all titled. They're usually a lot of times the name of the movies in our episode title, or at least in the description. So you can uh, definitely check them out. But tonight we're going to talk about the last Star Trek movie, at least for now. Uh, maybe maybe one day. You know, there's a lot of rumors about Star Trek movies. It's just a matter of getting one made. But David, since it was your first time watching Star Trek Beyond, what did you think? Uh, well, uh, first impressions of it was it was, and I'm sure this has been said a million times, but it's a lot more reminiscent of the classic Star Trek films uh, in many ways, I think. Um, uh, I love the look of it, the feel of it. Is there something very distinct about this one compared to the other two Kelvin movies, I think? It, it's, it feels mm -hmm. more alive, brighter, more lively. More kind of Star Trek in many ways, if you get that feeling. I did overall really enjoy it. I have some issues with it. Uh, I'm not a fan of the whole bees thing. I thought that was just, that just didn't work for me. Um, the army of bees. Yeah, it's very I know they weird. weren't actual bees, but, you know, um, yeah. that just didn't work for me. Um, I did. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, um, it's so, fine. Um, yeah, I like the look. I like the new uniforms. I think that looks great. I think mm -hmm. the movie looks beautiful. Uh, I, th I feel like every time they tone down the lens players more and more, and this time they just like, I don't remember seeing any of them. If they were there, they were subtle enough at least. There's a um, little I, in a couple of shots, but it's it's more subdued. But you had a different director on this one. Exactly. You had a different director. I think that the planet they were on looked beautiful. Uh, I love the design of the aliens and, 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 and um, stuff that we saw. Uh, I've, well, one of my favorite little touches um, is that, that when that girl's talking and she's speaking in another language and you actually hear her speaking in her language before the translator translates it. Right. I thought that was that just that small little thing. I thought that was freaking dope. Mm -hmm. um, I love the relationship between the characters in this one. I love uh, McCoy and Spock being stuck alone. Right. Yes. Carb is great <laughs> as always. I think, uh, I think Zachary Quinto put in his best performance as Spock in this one. Um, I think he's been great, but out of all the new cast, I think he's, you know, been probably the weakest, um, at least relatively speaking uh, mm -hmm. towards Pine and, and um, Urban. So I think he, he really put in a great performance this time and really, understood the character well mm -hmm. um so i thought that was really cool i like i said i love them together uh bones is always hilarious uh i'm still thinking about some of his lines from this whole trilogy uh-huh uh i actually recently read um because i i wanted to you know delve more into it i read a, a, a little bit off topic but i'll get back to it it ties in um the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover from a few years ago. It was mm -hmm. actually the Star Trek. It was the Kelvin timeline. Interesting. Cast that, that, that crossover with Green Lantern yeah. in a comic book. Um, and 
but just because I wanted more of these characters after watching this movie, and I wanted to see if they were in any comic books, mm-hmm. um, and they're great there because I, I I really think they've grown, and I, I really do believe their friendship um, between all the main cast. Now I love that Chekhov got more to do in this one. Yeah, um, so tragic. I know we've talked about it before, but still so tragic what happened to him. Yeah. Um, that this came out after after his death, and mm-hmm. it, he was great in it. Him and Kirk together was hilarious and great, and mm-hmm. and I loved him so much. Kirk pulling off his classic Kirk being smarter than everybody moves. Um, I think people often underestimate Kirk, which is weird to say because, you know, um, he's, like, seen as the greatest thing ever. But, like, mm-hmm. at least at this point, he's young. So I feel like there's kind of this theme of, like, people underestimate him, so he's able to trick them and outsmart them. Mm-hmm. Um and he did that a couple times in this movie with that with that alien that betrayed him, and I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I do like what? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I do like the villain in this one. I, I said it like the army bees, but I do like the villain and yeah. what's going on there. I like the twist and how they figure out the twist whenever they find the old uh, the old um, Starfleet ship. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg's great in this movie. As Scotty, I thought he was so funny. Um, I loved his relationship with uh, with the uh, Pale. I mm-hmm. can't remember her name. Jayla. Jayla, yeah, I thought she was great. I loved like her house, and I loved the music playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really funny. I love when they incorporate music into Star Trek because it reminds me, like, yeah, this what our world is their past. Right, like, all that music yeah. still exists. That's classical so, music. Yeah, classical music. It's classical music. Yeah, Magic Carpet Ride and and, and uh and First Contact is is uh classical music. Right. Yeah, and but, I, I um, love that this one seemed to make a lot more nods to other Star Trek in yeah. a lot of just little ways. Yeah. Um, like and, and I don't really... know if you caught it, but that that's of course the song is we 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 hear that same song when Kirk's driving his stepfather's convertible right. off the cliff in the first movie right right yeah yeah uh, and i noticed it because he said um like good great, choice yeah. or whatever yeah. yeah um so i thought that was really cool and you're right and then that's sort of the spirit star trek's always called back on itself well, that's one of the best things about it well yeah. we even had characters quoting we had a character quote shakespeare in this one which mm-hmm. we didn't really you know was kind of a staple mm-hmm. of the original was quoting classic literature really yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of shakespeare but a lot of other stuff too mm-hmm. And yeah. really didn't do a lot of that in the first two movies in the Kelvin timeline. But like I said, you know, Simon Pegg is a... You feel like he doesn't just he doesn't just love sci-fi. He doesn't just appreciate Star Trek. You feel like he's like a Star Trek student. It, yes. Like, I feel like um, in the last movie, I feel like J.J. Abrams really was a student of the Wrath of Khan. Like you felt like yeah. he really loved the Wrath of Khan, and he really understood that story really well, mm-hmm. and, and he wanted to um, put his own twist. And he on wanted, it. and he and he told it in a way that worked really yeah. well. But watching this movie, you feel a little more that um, that the writing is a little more influenced by Star Trek, not just Wrath of Khan, or not just some specific or, thing right. in Star. It, like all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, so good. But I, I love this movie. It, it's 
they did some interesting things. Um, they, they, this whole trilogy did a lot of things to change that, that really kind of upped the game on the, the way the ships look when they're in warp. And that I, warp bubble. The warp bubble looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that looks cool. It makes sense. I see. Like, that's, I thought that was really cool. Um, and it's kind of one of those things that's like it works with everything that came before. It's just nobody had really tried to, like, make it look like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. They, they did a lot of really cool stuff with this, with this movie. And. You know, we're going to probably at some point here real soon, now that we've made it through the movies, we're going to probably try to rank our movies. I, it's always hard to rank m- movies when you Especially get when there's this many of them to, you know, more than three or four, it gets harder and harder to, to mm-hmm. rank, but we're going to give it a try. And while I'm not sure at this point where I would rank all the, the, the Kelvin timeline movies, as far as three consecutive Star Trek movies, it is the best set of three anywhere in the whole catalog. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if there's anywhere else in there that you get three that are together, like three back to back that are this good. Yeah, because it's usually like one good one, one bad one, one good one, one bad one, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm thinking, like, after Wrath of Khan, you got Search for Spock, which is, you know, so fine. weird. It's fine. And then you get the whales one, which is really good. And then after the whale, whales, okay, so we got whales one, it's good. But then you get the the alien god one, which is, you know, fine. Yeah. Right. But then you get the, the other cool one, so great. Uh, but then you get generations, which is fine. So, you know, yeah. it's just, you're right, you're right. And back to back, I think these are, it is a really good, I think it's a really solid trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. And I love the ending of it when it they, um, it sort of feels like uh, it's set up for, like I could imagine at the end of this movie, uh, the original series takes place. Right. I mean, they're they're what two years into their five or year mission, three years they're into three their years five in. year, and he actually makes a comment when he's kind of just doing his. I don't know if it's during a captain's log or if it's just an inner dialogue where he's talking about, you know, they've been out for three years and. Things are beginning to feel somewhat episodic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that funny. was yeah. excellent. I did love the opening. I love the opening because I, I, I love that's a great moment. And Kirk seems to like have really sat, really fit into his captain position now. They've yep. been out there for so many years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great. And you, that's right. You reminded me that you have been on their mission for a long time now mm-hmm. and and the and and you can feel i feel that between the characters mm-hmm. i really do in the same way that i did in the original movies that i love so much uh, i feel that come right it's like hanging out with friends yeah yeah exactly and um and i i i managed to not cry this time whenever um whenever kirk and and mccoy are talking about having raided checkoffs a liquor cabinet and they, they pour a glass of scotch in one of, you know, and clank the empty glass, you know, cause yeah. you know, and Antoine uh, Yelkin was already gone by the time the movie came out. Right. So I don't yeah. know if that's what they were going for, but that's definitely how I took it. Um, I didn't even think of it that way, but now that I did, now I'm never going to be able to watch the scene again <laughs> without crying. Mm-hmm. But they, they did that. And then they also did, you know, they wanted friends. Right, the because they wanted to honor 
uh, Leonard Nimoy had passed right before mm-hmm. this movie was made. Yeah. And so they wanted to find some way to, to honor him in the movie. And um, so that was kind of the whole part of the, the yeah. bringing it full circle there mm-hmm. with the, with Spock finding the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, Oh, that was a great moment. I loved that. I thought that yeah. was super awesome. Um, I love like it, it really tying into those original, those, that, that those original movies. And yeah, I, I, I love that. There's some really great moments in this trilogy that are super underrated. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this 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 trilogy, from what I've seen, it gets a lot of flack for being too actiony, too big, too everything, and it just bothers me so much. Okay, so like for example, in this movie, the big thing is that Kirk rode around on a dirt bike shooting people, right? Which was great. That's too, which was I thought it was great because. They you they did outsmart. They set something up earlier in the movie uh-huh. with Jayla, and then they used it again. I thought that was great. It was smart, and also it's also something this had, Kirk would do. It's something this it's something original Kirk would do. Original Kirk <laughs> right. was doing backflips off of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, is that this is the thing where right, I feel like right. I feel like. Do you not think they would have done this if they could have done this? Exactly. I think, honestly, a lot of people are just bitter because of the copious amounts of money that they threw at these movies to make them so freaking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they were jaded because their Star Trek didn't look like that. And so how dare new Star Trek look like that? And, and the bottom line is you hear a lot of complaints about these movies but the truth is, is that this one, once again, has a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomato with an 86 and an, uh, and an audience score of 80 yeah. and a cinema score of A, just like the other two. Yeah. And the truth is, this movie, these movies probably got a lot more people into Star Trek than Absolutely. previous <laughs> movies did. And I, I have a love for all those, even the bad uh, yeah. movies yep. I love. But, I mean, like... I see them for what they are. The the um, Star Trek the Motion Picture is, you know, it's 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 garbage looking, but I love the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, because I appreciate it for what it was at that time, in the same way that I appreciate that this movie isn't made in the 1980s and they right. don't have to use garbage special effects. Well, right? this so movie and this movie is going to look good forever. Yep. And I think right. that's one of the things that we have now proven 20 years out from Lord of the Rings. Well, it's like you get and, to a point where you're pulling these things off on screen and you look at it and you go, yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. Like you can't make it better than that. Like if it looks real now, it's going to look real. Yeah. But you know, cause I, cause I mean, I think like, tw- you know, 20 years out from, from Lord of the Rings, it's like, it holds up. Right. And I think that's the point where it reached. If you can make your effects look that good, it's still going to look tw- good year, 20 years from now. And uh, yeah. that's that's something that Star Trek movies had previously um, not a claim they could not have made. No, I agree. Um, these are easily like the best looking ones now. I mean, I still the thing is, twenty years from now, I'm still gonna appreciate the way Star Trek motion picture mm-hmm. looks. 
because I have an understanding of they didn't have right these this high tech CGI, and that's fine. And and that's the thing. Like, like as, as a if you're a a student of the history of filmmaking, you have to appreciate what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to. And you know what? It's still going to look as part of one of the great things about it is that um you're going to look back and they did use models and real things. So in a way, that looks that's real, you know, like yeah. I mm-hmm. can still like grab and touch it. That's something that I appreciate about all those old movies. And I love, and, and I appreciate different things. You can, you can like both. You can be a fan of both. And there's right. this often thing. This isn't, this isn't every fandom. This isn't every fandom. There is this idea that you have to like one or the other. You mm-hmm. can't yes. say, I like star Wars. You have to say, Oh, I like the original trilogy. Right. And some of the sequels, you can't say, I like Star Trek. You have to say, well, I like the original Star Trek movies and, um, and I, and I, and I like, uh, and and I like first contact, but I don't like the other ones. And, uh, the odd number ones are okay. Or or the good ones are okay. But the, but the, the even ones are great. Like, why can't you just, people can't just say I like Star Trek. People can't just say I like Star Wars. People can just can't say I like the MCU. There's always these things behind it. And Mm -hmm. it's because of toxic fans. Yeah. And and I think the thing we see is that they're the they're just the loud voice in the room. It's you know when you see some of these things like cinema scores. I mean that's literally somebody standing outside a theater and getting some people's first reactions when they come out. And and before they have time to go home and look at the internet and see what they're supposed to think about it. Right. <laughs> and, and seriously, but that's what they do. They uh-huh, send all these people out to yep. these theaters on opening night mm-hmm. and get opinions and um it's there's a lot of stuff going on there but it's um you're right there's a lot of stuff going on there where it's just not cool to like certain things Mm -hmm. whether they're good or not yeah um and it's this kind of thing we talked about it right before the the rise of skywalker came out it's like that could have been the best that could have been the best movie ever made and there were people that were so entrenched that they couldn't say anything except that it sucked. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they had it, already it so happen. firmly entrenched themselves on the side of... It you, sucks. ...of Disney Star Wars sucks. Yep. Yeah. And it's just... It's, it's not healthy, man. Why, how can you live like that? <laughs> like, right. Like, be that worried you- about... Like a fiction, I mean, fiction, like how, how are people like really this offended over a movie? I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like I, I love film. These, these things mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Um, For, for example, I hate what, Last Jedi is the perfect example of this. I hate what they did to Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. That movie is, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. It is. A well-made, well-written, like in a vacuum, it's a good movie, and you can appreciate the things for what they are. Now, it's okay to not like something; that's yeah. fine. But the problem also starts when you tell other people they can't like it. Right. That's the thing. Is like if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine, and and nobody should tell you you have to like it. But you've got people that are like, no, you have to like this, mm-hmm. or no, no, you can't like this. Like, this is terrible. Oh, and heaven forbid you get on Twitter and be like, I sure love me some, you know, 2009 Star Trek. I mean, like, yeah. literally, and, and like, people that I literally don't know from Adam, <laughs> I don't even know how they saw my tweet 
are like, that movie sucks. Yeah. What's wrong with you? I'm like, for real? Like, <laughs> yeah. why? Why you got to be, well, this, I mean, like, he went on at some length about all the reasons I was wrong for liking this movie. And I'm like, dude, I don't know you, but for real, like, <laughs> I yeah. mean, why? Why you got to be all, I mean, now, granted, yes, Chris Pine is beautiful, and that does not hurt. But, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's its a weird, weird world where people feel like all of a sudden, because you dare to say on the internet that you do or don't like something, that now we shall make, we don't just make sweeping judgments about someone based on a political opinion. No, no, no. Now we shall decide if you're a good person or not based on how you feel about this for this fake thing that I have strong feelings about. Really? Really, world? That's not healthy. It's just yeah. not. <laughs> well, you know, it's especially on things like YouTube negativity cells. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the, the algorithms push it because it keeps people clicking. Yep. And there are plenty of things I don't like. I can go on a oh, rant for absolutely. an hour about, about freaking Zack Snyder's DC films. I can, yeah. but like, you know, one thing I've never said to my dad in these arguments that we have on the show is, oh yeah, dad, well, you're a bad human being for, for liking those <laughs> DC Zack Snyder films, you know? Yeah. Like, I, or ne I never said that you can't like them. I've always said, I don't like them and here's why I don't like them. Right. And, and, and it makes for good discussion. And, right. and that's, and, and that's, that's the joy of it. And, and I think the arguing and the oh, arguing's um, fun, but uh, the, the, um, <laughs> the battling, the, like the wars that go yeah. on between fans, it just, it, it, it hurts. Yeah. Um, fandom. Yeah. And to bring it all back around, I like Star Trek Beyond. I like Star Trek Into Darkness, and I like Star Trek from 2009. And yeah. you're never going to tell me otherwise, because guess what? I can go on CBS All Access and watch all of them. And I mean, and like you said, the thing about Star, all of this new Star Trek stuff. That I mean, Star Trek had pretty much fizzled out again yeah. until these movies. And as much as a lot of Star Trek like hardcore Star Trek fans have been down on them. The fact remains that this is what revitalized Star Trek. This is why you're getting the sheer volume of Star Trek you're getting right now, whether it's good or not is a totally different discussion. The fact is, is that without the success of those three movies, you're not getting this massive quantity of Star Trek that we're going to be getting over the next few years. I mean, yeah. and, and that's just, you know, not now, of course, I haven't been a huge fan of a lot of the new Star Trek that has been out, but I think we can all agree that it's Star Trek is something that is always good to keep going. You know, some of it may not be the best, but the next thing may be amazing. Yeah, you got to keep the wheel, the wheel spinning. Yep. All right. I so agree. So before we wrap up here, because we, we need to wrap on up pretty quick, now that you've seen all three, I guess for both of you, we've seen all three Kelvin movies, which one is your favorite? Probably still the uh, the first one for me. I, I, I might have to say the first one, because as, as much as I really did like the second two, there was just something about like meeting all of those characters that you already knew that was really special. You know, and kind of seeing 
everything from a, a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I just think it has probably like, uh, I enjoy it because it's the most like tight in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. most solid. Like I, I, there's no, there's nothing that I really don't like in that movie. That being said though, of all of the, the, the second three Star Trek movies, uh, or, or, or the, the, all of the Kelvin movies, I think this one had the most star, like classic Star Trek villain. Like, I feel like, mm-hmm. like that is, this was the most Star Trek story of any of these three movies. Um, and, yeah. and which is kind of ironic seeing as how the second one was copied so many beats from um, yeah. Wrath of Khan. But I think this one, while the, the big story is great in the, in the uh, second one mm-hmm. in Into Darkness, it's, it's really great. But it's, it's with this one, it's the details. It's the details. I mean, Simon Pegg and what, Doug Jong, right? Wrote this? Yes. I mean, and they, their attention to detail. I think that's exactly it. It's, it's one of those things that's like the, the forest may not be quite as impressive as Into Darkness. But once you get down and you look at the trees a little closer, you realize they've got way more detail. I, I enjoy. I really enjoy all these as a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd find it hard. I bet if I went and watched the first one, I'd find it hard not to press play on Into Darkness and then mm-hmm. into um, Beyond. Yeah, these are three movies that I will just you know they're kind of on that list of movies that I will just pick these up at any given time and just watch them. I enjoy them. They're just they're easy to watch. They are, and they're kind of like you can get to the end and start back over, which a lot of movies really wear thin. But like I feel like I could sit down and start the the start two thousand nine Star Trek over again, and it would be like oh you know um, yeah, or you could start it at any point. Like if this was on TV, you can just start watching them at any point. Yeah, that they're on. I think they're really well made, great movies. Um, I enjoy the writing. I enjoy the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy seeing these characters do anything as long as they're doing it together. Right. Um, it's that car- com- camaraderie, mm-hmm. that word. You know what I'm saying? I, it's like hanging out with friends. Yep. Um, man, I would love a friend's booth, but it's Star Trek. Oh, I'm making that. <laughs> it's just but the you song know, this playing. is. Yeah. yeah. But this and is one of. And McCoy turns around and he's uh-huh. like, smiles. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But this is like one of the uh, Leonard McCoy. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. This is uh, you know, one of the things people always post. I see on Twitter all the time is like name a better trio, and it'll always you know it's Luke and Leia and Han mm-hmm. or. But I mean, I don't I don't think uh, people mention Kirk and Spock Kirk, and McCoy. Spock and McCoy enough in that in that, that conversation. conversation. Yeah. No, three bros chilling in space. Yeah, I love that. But that's I think that's probably the most remarkable thing about these movies is and the one thing that I think they got right was it wasn't just a veneer and it, you know, just throw this up there and it's you got the ship and people on an adventure and it's Star Trek. They got the right pieces. What they did right was that they they knew how important the chemistry the, was. the relationship between those three characters was. Mm-hmm. And over the course of these three movies, we got to see that that friendship grow mm-hmm. into really what we had in the original movie. Yeah, and really the whole core crew with with Kirk and Spock and McCoy and uh, Scotty and Ahura. 
Chekhov. Chekhov and uh, Sulu. Sulu. You know, those characters that were the ones that were in all of the mm-hmm. um, all of the movies, you know, they, they were like, they kind of became the core group. Um, I think they made a good call in kind of making that their core group in this series. And they all, it, it works. Mm-hmm. It just does. You like, you believe like these, these, this group of people would do anything for each other. And yeah, it's just, I think you're exactly right. They... They managed to to recapture that kind of family feeling that you get off of the crew in the original series, which is really the thing is by the time they made Star Trek the Motion Picture, these people had been had worked together for years and not to mention had been doing like Star Trek conventions and things ever since then. So of course they had that kind of rapport by the time we get to Star Trek the Motion Picture. But that they managed to throw this cast together and that they managed to pick that that same kind of beat up, you know, by the end of the first movie is really remarkable. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's really, uh, the, the entire cast is really a terrific group of actors yeah. that they brought on for this. It's also the advantage of, I mean, let's be honest, this was the advantage of doing Star Trek with movie actors. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Where, you know, when you did the originals, you were taking a bunch of, of TV actors. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, TV actors have gotten better and better. That gap has narrowed mm-hmm. tremendously, especially mm-hmm. with the ad- advent of premium television. Mm-hmm. And not that you've never had great actors on television, but acting on television is different. But no, I, I think we all, it sounds like we all enjoyed the movies, but we're going to wrap up. So make sure to join us this coming Thursday as we launch our brand new series, The Pillars of Fantasy. Uh, We just finished up our Pillars of Sci-Fi conversation, and those episodes are all available now. Wherever you listen to podcasts, including YouTube, everything going back at least eight episodes on both podcasts is available now on our YouTube channel. Until next time, Marisha, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet at princessesandpadawans.com, on Instagram at princess princesses underscore and underscore padawans and p padawans on twitter all right david where can people find you you guys can find me on twitter at stay underscore creative dd and on my youtube channel creative dnd all right and i'm andrew gore you can find me running the twitter account for this show at sci underscore fictionary you can find me at the science you can drop us a line at the sciencefictionary at gmail.com. And as previously mentioned, this podcast is available pretty much anywhere that you would want to listen to a podcast. And what else do I need to plug? Oh, and as always, check out this podcast as well as the rest of our podcast family at red5network.com. And until next time, live long and prosper. 